There are a number of things about God that amaze me. We were singing earlier about the deep, deep, or Nicholas play the theme, the tune, Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. It's a pretty amazing thing when you consider that God is the Holy One, and we are not. And that nothing prevents Him from loving us, seeking us, wanting us. It's the essence of, of His actions toward us. I think about God's um, God's willingness to to send His Son to take on what is rightfully our punishment, so that we can be redeemed, no life. It's an amazing thing to ponder. I think one of the other things that that intrigues me about the the mystery of God is that, as we talked last week, when it comes to bearing witness to God in this world, God designed that in such a way that he calls his people to be in partnership with the Holy Spirit, to be his witnesses. That's a phenomenal thing when you think about it. Because the Holy Spirit is always perfect He does the right thing at the right time in the right way with the right person every single time. And I don't know about you, but I don't always do that. But God recognizing our frailty, recognizing how often we fall short and mess up and do the wrong things. Nevertheless, God says, this is the way I want it to be. I want my people to be a significant partner. And bearing witness to me in this world. And so God says to Abraham, All right, Abraham, you're my man. And I'm going to bless you, and through you, everybody else is going to know who I am. And then he calls Egypt out of slavery and says, All right, you're my people. And you're going to bear witness of me in this world so that when every other nation looks at you, they're going to say, If that's what it looks like to follow Yahweh, I want to follow Yahweh. And then he looks at the church. And he says, now you're my people. You've been redeemed and transformed. And you have a relationship with Jesus. And so now you're going to bear witness to me in this world. And now people are going to say, I wonder what God is like. And they're going to look at you. And they're going to know. It's an intimidating thing to put it in that perspective. And yet that's how God designed it. And the question that's been going through my mind is, what does that look like to bear witness to Jesus in this world as his people? What does that mean? How do we describe that? I think that at the heart of it is the sense that living a Christ-like life is the most profound witness for Jesus in this world. That people see Jesus in us, in our attitudes, and our actions, in all the things that we do, that people look at us and say, there is something different about those people. I think that's what Paul is writing about to the Romans in that passage we just read a few moments ago. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. 
Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Wow, that's an intimidating list, isn't it? I think what Paul is saying is, your life matters. What people see in you and your actions and your attitudes, particularly in the moments where they would least expect that kind of attitude and action, it reflects, it bears witness of who God is. Peter writes in his second letter, And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, while you're waiting for Christ to return, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his spirit. How we live matters about how we bear witness to God. It is significant. And what we really want is to bear witness to Christ in such a way that people see Christ in us. Isn't it interesting that when you read the stories of the Gospels, how attracted people are to Jesus? They like spending time with him. Children. People that everybody says are outcasts and don't deserve to be with God. Not only does Jesus want those people, they want Jesus. There's something about the life of Jesus that attracts them and draws them. He's different. And you and I, as people who follow Jesus, are, are called to be different. And the most profound witness we can have in this world is how we live our lives. Our responses, our attitudes... But there is another side to that. You know, the the saying is attributed to St. Francis, preach Jesus and use words if you have to. And the truth about that is, words are important too. I think there there is a trend that I've seen developing over the last, I don't know, 20 or 30 years of saying, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't know what to say to people. I, I don't want to offend people. So I'm just going to live my life. And people will see Jesus in me, but I don't say anything about Jesus. My question is, how does anybody know that you are different because of Jesus? If you don't say something about Jesus. Because the point is not for people to look at us and say, wow, aren't they good people? Aren't they amazing? Aren't they awesome? I love being around them. That's terrific and that's important. But at some point, people have to understand that we are who we are, not because of us, but because of Jesus. Words are important. And so Paul writes to the Romans. He he uses the uh, 
quotes the passage in Isaiah that we read a few moments ago. And he says in Romans 10, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Not everyone welcomes the news. But faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. At some point, people need to understand that it's Christ that has made us who we are. And that is imperative to us as we bear witness to him. And there's something in us that that starts getting a little bit apprehensive. It's one thing to live, and we know how often we fall short of that, but we, we can grasp that. But sometimes our apprehension comes in when we talk about speaking for Jesus. What if people ask us hard questions? What if we get in over our head? Well, the reality is people who are seriously thinking about Jesus are going to ask us hard questions. And sometimes the most profound witness is to say, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll find it and we'll talk some more. But I also wonder if our apprehension isn't a part of this cultural shift that I've seen developing over the last, I don't know, 30 some years or whatever. Because there was a time in which we didn't talk much about how we lived our lives. We didn't talk much about being a presence in the world for Jesus and working to change things that are wrong in the world and trying to address evil and all of those things. All the church focused on was, we're going to speak about Jesus. And what ended up happening in a number of cases is what we, when we talked about speaking about Jesus, we talked about somehow communicating a formula. So we would say to people, we've got to say the right words. We have to pray the right prayer. And what ends up happening is, it creates an atmosphere in which we can feel a little bit manipulative. I remember going to a, a, a conference about how to share your faith with people, evangelism and things. And I remember the speakers saying something along these lines of, you have to get to the point where you seal the deal with people. Will you get them to sign on the dotted line? Will you make the sale? And I'm thinking to myself, I feel like a used car salesman. And I think the whole point was, was, the idea behind it was, people need to make a decision for Jesus. And they do. I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I heard someone say that in the history of the evangelical church in America... If you were to describe one phrase of it, it would be receive Christ. And that's true. It's important to receive Christ. Everybody needs to make some kind of of decision about opening their hearts to Christ. And we need to receive Christ. The problem is, if our motivation and our goal is for people to receive Christ, then all we're trying to do is get them to sign on the dotted line, get them in the door. But the problem is, as this person pointed out, that when you read the Gospels, Jesus rarely, if ever, talks about receiving him. What he does talk about is following him. And if our motivation is is to create an atmosphere in which people want to follow Jesus, then it's about your life. It's about everything in your life. It's not just about making a decision and then you're finished. 
It's about surrendering your life to Jesus. That's what we, that's what God wants from us. That's what the witness that God wants us to do with others. We want them to experience life in Jesus and the fullness of life in Jesus that comes from a heart surrendered to him, not just once, but throughout all of life. The motivation makes a big difference. And I think we've sort of run away from, from this perspective and to the other end that just says, well, we'll just, we won't talk about Jesus. But that's not right either. I'm fascinated by the fact that in Acts chapter 4, the disciples are, have been arrested. It's post-resurrection, post-Pentecost. They're out preaching in Jerusalem and they're arrested. And the religious leaders are trying to figure out what to do with them. And he says to them, they looked at them and they said, look, all right, we'll let you go if you stop speaking about Jesus. They didn't say, we'll let you go if you stop living a life for Jesus. We'll let you go if you stop speaking about Jesus. Words are important. It's the tension. I read an article not too long ago about... uh, a study that was done of two groups that short-term missions groups that went to Thailand. And one group had their, their reason for going. Everything that they did was about trying to be a blessing to the people they encountered. Whether that was missionaries or the people in the church or anybody they might meet on the street. Everything they wanted to do was simply to be a blessing to people. To encourage them, to love them, to care for them. Whatever opportunities were presented, that's just all they wanted to do, to be a blessing. The other group went, and their motivation, their desire, was to convert people to Christianity. They went with the purpose of trying to get people to become Christians, to convert them, to pray a prayer, to to follow Jesus. What's interesting is that when when they studied these two groups, there were a number of things that were different about them, but one of the significant things that jumped out at me was that the people who went for the purpose of blessing had 50 times more people pray to receive Christ than the people who went to convert them. And I don't know exactly what all that means, but there's something in that about the essence of how we live our lives and the words that we speak that must be connected. A relational dynamic. You know, when you read the scriptures, you don't find the gospel being described in transactional terms. It's relational. Us with God, us with each other. Because ultimately, what we're trying to bring people to is not a decision. We're trying to bring people to Jesus. We're trying to help people see Jesus, to experience Jesus in their lives. And that may involve a decision, it often does. But the whole point is not the decision, it's Jesus. And so our lives are leading people closer to Jesus. And our words help them understand Jesus. But ultimately, it is all about Jesus. It's the tension of both of them. I read about a guy who was about probably two-thirds of the way through his Ph.D. thesis. And about that point, his, his supervising professor was denied tenure. And so he had to leave the school where he was teaching. 
So this guy went around to all the other professors in the department to see if any of them would take him on as a student, and none of them would. Finally, one guy said, all right, I'll take you on as a student, but not with that project you've been working on. You've got to do something different. So he said, I put 200 pages and a year of my life on a shelf and started over. He said, after a while, I'd been working with this new supervisor, and uh, the supervisor drove him home one day, and they, the car stopped in front of this man's house. And the supervisor said, I'd like to ask you a question. Okay. He said, if I were in your shoes, I would be angry. I'd be angry at the university for not, for not giving tenure to my supervisor. I'd be angry at the, all the other faculty members in the department who wouldn't take you on as a student. I'd be angry at your new supervisor who said he would take you on, but only if you changed what you'd done, have to start all over again. If it were me, I would be angry. He said, I've been watching you. And you're not angry. Does that have something to do with you being a Christian? He said, we sat in the car and we talked for about an hour about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You see, the context of his, of his life created the atmosphere for the words. You see, so often we are we are we forget that we have to we have to say words in a way that people can understand, and we have to say them at a time when people are ready to hear them. And often we forget that because all we're thinking about is us. I got to say the words instead of the people. How will they hear them? I don't know. Many of you probably remember the Far Side cartoon. You know, it's one of my favorite uh, car- comic strips in the paper. And I, I saw one of those recently. It made me think about my own experiences with our dog, and how, how many times I'm trying to, you know, uh, I'm scolding the dog or trying to get the dog to do what I want him to do, or you know, trying to figure him out. And he just stares at me, looks at me like I don't know what you're talking about. And in this cartoon, it shows. It says, "This is the. This is what the owner says to his dog, Ginger. I've told you, stay out of the garbage. Ginger, stop getting into the garbage. Leave the garbage alone. Do you understand, Ginger?" And then the next strip says, that's what the owner says to the dog. Here's what the dog hears. Blah, 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 ginger. Blah, 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 ginger. Blah, 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 ginger. That's all the dog hears. And it made me think about how sometimes how we talk about Jesus. I mean, people are not ready to hear. And we just keep talking. And it doesn't make any sense. It's not the right time. It's not the right words. It's not in the right spirit. We haven't prepared the ground for those words. And being witnesses for Jesus is both our lives and our words. And there are times when the words come first. But I think most of the time, it's the relationship building and it's our lives that set the stage and create the atmosphere in which words can be heard. But that means we have to be thinking about what other people are thinking and and how they can best hear than what we want to say. I think that takes humility to do that. Because what we want to do is say, I've got the answers, I'm right, I figured it all out. If you just listen to me, everything you done, everything would be different. 
And it's all really about what we want to say and from our perspective. And we're not really thinking about where are people, what are their hurts, what are their struggles, what are their burdens that are keeping them from hearing? What is, what is their experiences? And we can come off kind of arrogant, actually. I don't know if Trivial Pursuit is as popular now as it once was. But I remember playing that with some people. And, you know, there are certain categories that I would always try to get on and certain categories I should always try to not get on. You know, I never was very good at the science and nature or the literature ones. I'd take sports or geography or history every time. And you know how that is when somebody picks up a question in a category that you don't feel real conversant about. And they look at it and they go, oh, man, this is so easy. And they read the question and you're thinking, I don't even know what that means. And you feel, you feel so ignorant. And you feel like this is sort of looking at you in this condescending way. How can you not know that? Everybody knows that. And I think sometimes we can come across to people like that with our words. We have all the answers. We can solve your life. It's all about what we want to say instead of stepping back and saying, what's the best way for this person to hear Jesus and to see Jesus? There is a vulnerability in that. There's a sacrifice we make in that. It's a willingness to say that I'll give up my self-interest. I'll give up my self my. My desire to want to change this person, I'll give up my way of seeing things for their perspective. And what's best for them and the best way to say it to them. And it means that we sometimes step back from what we want to say and, and what we'd really like to say. And we just wait and let the Holy Spirit prompt us. You see, really, it's, it's about living so close to the Holy Spirit and being so surrendered and controlled to the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit prompts us about what to say and when to say it and when to be quiet. In the right atmosphere, in the right time, the Holy Spirit is always prompting us about it. It's living in sensitivity to the Spirit. It allows us to embrace this tension with confidence because it's not about us, it's about Him in us and working through us. He's just asking for a willingness on our part, a desire on our part to always be thinking about what it means to bear witness to Him. I mentioned to you a few weeks ago that I've been reading... Uh, Eli Knapp's uh, book, The Delightful Horror of Family Birding. And as I said to you, I'm, I, you know, I, I really know virtually nothing about birds. And I can tell you if they're red or blue or something like that, but that's about all I've got. Uh, I, I, don't, I can't tell them apart very well, and I, and I don't know much, but I've been learning reading Eli's book. And um, one of the things that he said in that book recently really struck me. He's talking about how uh, a lot of his friends and family don't understand his obsession with birds. And if you read the book, you can tell Eli is obsessed with birds. I mean, the, the adventures he has are phenomenal, trying to see birds. 
And this is what he writes about that. The problem may lie in a profound misunderstanding between birders and non-birders. Non-birders assume that birders go birding. They don't. Birders are birding. Always. Some of us, the less diehard, occasionally pause to sleep. But as soon as we awaken, even before our eyes have opened, we're birding. Windows don't open merely for a breeze. Windows open for the dawn chorus. As soon as I'm 51% cognizant, I'm birding. And even though it may look to non-birders like I'm cleaning the garage or staining the deck, I'm actually birding. And when I read that, I thought to myself, that's what it means to bear witness to Jesus. It's not so much something we do as something we are. It's about how we live. It's about the relationships we build. It's about our experiences. It's about every moment living so close to the Holy Spirit that every moment we are bearing witness to God so that other people might know the amazing life of abundance joy and peace with him like we have. Holy Father, thank you for the unbelievable privilege of making us partners with you in bearing witness of you. Give us a desire and willingness and openness to be so sensitive to the Spirit that we live continually bearing witness of who you are. We pray this through Christ.